blessed. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful to be able to be in the house of the Lord. Grateful that you all come with us. and grateful that there are those that are home watching. And that they're able to watch because, because of the online services being able to be uh, put forward. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of John. Not Mark. John chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 2. John chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse... Two. It says, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and uh, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2 says, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Lord, what a blessing it was to, to hear uh, the psalm read this morning of how you picked us up out of that miry clay, Lord, and set our feet upon a rock. Lord, I am so grateful for what you did for me. Lord, I, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. I glorify your name. Lord, I'll shout from the rooftops. Lord, you deserve to be praised. Lord, you are worthy. But Lord, I pray that, uh, that uh, in turn, Lord, that, that uh, my life is given back to you. God, I pray that you would use it for your own and your glory. Take this time to bless us, Lord, to meet with us, to instruct us from your word, and uh, to, to cleanse us and sanctify us. I ask for your help. Lord, may, may you just have your way with us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. This chapter 11 is about the story. I almost preached out of this chapter, um, but, and I, I'm not going to preach out of this chapter, but I did want you to notice verse 2. Uh, this is the days leading up to uh, the triumphal entry. Uh, uh, in fact, it's just, it's just after this uh, that Christ rides into Jerusalem. Uh, that would be the Palm Sunday that we're going to celebrate next Sunday. Uh, but uh, as, as I was preparing and, and, and praying, the Lord laid upon my heart, verse 2, which is actually an act which, uh, talking about the, 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 uh, the breaking of the, the ointment, the, the washing of Jesus' feet, actually takes place in chapter 12. In chapter 11, it identifies it as Mary, uh, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So turn your Bibles over to John chapter 12, one chapter. And we're going to start reading verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which he had been dead, or which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one with them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. I've got that underlined in my Bible, and I, you should probably take note of that. Uh, spikenard, very costly, and ointment of and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, What should which should betray him? Why was this not why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? Then he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone, against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor have ye, have ye with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, 
but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. I want you to, to turn over to Matthew chapter 12, 26. See, with this, this passage of Scripture, this, this story, or the, the, the account of Jesus being anointed happens multiple times throughout Scripture. Matthew chapter 26, we'll start reading in verse 6. If God says something one time, we ought to probably listen to it. If God says something uh, twice, it's probably pretty important. If God mentions it three or four times, uh, we, we better pretty much have this down, down right. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 6, it says this, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in, that, for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And there, there are two other locations where we find this, Mark chapter 14, where we already read, and Luke chapter 7. We won't take the time to, to turn there, but go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 14, uh, and that's where we're going to stay for the rest of this, this time. Now, there are some things that are interesting. You say, well, they're a little bit different accounts. Now, depending on who you talk to and what commentaries you read, some will say that, that these are all one account of one instance. Some will say that it's it's... Some that will say that there are multiple accounts of, of times when Jesus Christ was anointed by, by a woman. Uh, there are many similarities here. And I'm not going to argue and I'm not going to fight over whether it's one account or four different accounts of one, one, one time of Christ being anointed or whether it's three different accounts. That's, that's as many as they believe it could be. It could be. But I will say this, the, the similarities for me draw this all together. Because Jesus said the same thing in, in all three of the ones that we read. There was that she brought it for the anointing of his burial. Now, as we look at this, we, I just want to make sure we understand what happened. Uh, Jesus is uh, Jesus is just uh, taking care of, and, and, and when I say heal Lazarus, he didn't just heal Lazarus. He performed a great miracle. Uh, understand, this is just before Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and die. In fact, uh, when he's, in John chapter 11, when he's talking to the disciples about going there, they said, listen, you can't go there, Master. They want to kill you. And he says, well, and then when he said, well, Lazarus is sleeping, uh, they said, oh, then, he, then he's going to do fine. And what they didn't understand was when Jesus said sleeping, Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. And Jesus explained that to them, and they, they said, fine, we'll go with you, and we'll all go and die with you too. They never really believed. They, they thought if he went to Jerusalem that he was going to die. And, and, and the truth is, he had been teaching him that, teaching them that. But, but there's a reason he went to, to do this a miracle of, of raising Lazarus from the dead. Listen, if he had been in Bethany and, and been there with, with Martha and Mary and Lazarus, uh, I, I believe it's very true that, that the Lazarus would not have died, just like Mary said. Jesus was good at healing people and bringing people back. But, but what, what did happen? He waited, and while they questioned, and while they worried, and while they kind of brought grief about, and, and Lazarus died, they saw a greater miracle than they would have seen otherwise. They saw a man who was dead in the grave for days, and, and buried, and wrapped, prepared for, for, for burial, and, 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 and stuck in there. And they knew, in fact, what Martha said when they went to bring him out, 
don't know, Lord, he's thinking. Don't bring shame on our family. He's been in there for four days. By this time, I don't know about you, but have you ever run across the body of something that's been dead for four days? How many of you had a mouse die on your wall? How many of you walked down the road one day and, and come across some, some, some critter that got run over by a car and it began to decompose and the bloating and the... Same thing happens to a human body when it's dead. So, so yes, she was worried. She said, Lord, don't, don't open that thing. It's going to stink. Well, listen, they had just seen him create, do this amazing miracle where, where he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says he did that so that they would believe. And remember, what did he tell Martha? What did Jesus tell Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. He wanted them to understand that, listen, I may die in Jerusalem, but I'm going to come back up out of that grave. It's a, amen, I'm glad somebody's excited about that. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. That's what it's all about. It's not about the bunnies and the, the candy and the, 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 the baskets of things that you get, the kids get. No, it's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But here you see a woman who, 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 who loved her brother and watched him die, and she saw her, 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 her master, her Lord, and the one who, another whom she loved. He came and he raised her from the dead. The Bible says that while they were there, they, in fact, they made a supper for him. He was, he was there, Lazarus was there. Everybody came to see Lazarus. I mean, he was just dead. They watched him walk out and wrapped up in those linens and, and with the napkin covering his face. And they had to un unwind those things off of his body. And they saw that his flesh wasn't rotten. They saw that, uh, he, that he hadn't fallen apart. They, 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 there was no bloating. There were no bugs or worms crawling out of his eyes. He was just like he, he was on the day he took his last breath. He was alive again. And she's excited about that. And she's thankful for that. And so she goes into her closet and gets this alabaster box of what's called spikenard. If you know anything about, if, if, you, if you look into history, those, uh, those uh, alabaster boxes, man, they're, they're expensive. They were made out of a, a stone. They were carved. They are uh, most likely very ornate. And it costs a lot of money. Now, they're made out of stone, so it wasn't something that you could just like screw open and 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 and, and uh, use once in a while. Wasn't it, what what they would put in there would be a perfume. That's what spikenard was. It was an oil. It was a, it was a very fragrant perfume, kind of like those essential oils that all those ladies are. It was something like that, except for it was very very special and very very expensive. Of course, I think those essential oils are very very expensive. But these this was much more expensive, especially back in the day. In fact, the Bible says they were, it was very costly. If we read all the accounts and look at it, it actually tells us that it was, that it was worth more than 300 pence. One pence is a day's wage. And so, so 300 pence, and there's over 300 pence, and what was, what was contained in the, inside that, that box of stone was worth more than a year's wage. Today, that would be $40,000. I mean, think about that. It was a lot of a lot of money. This is worth a lot. She she'd probably been saving all of her life for that, and it was kept for a special purpose. Sometimes in, in the in the book Song of Solomon, it talks about the bride uh, anointing herself with those oils so that that her husband would be able to smell her when she came into the room. And it was very special. You might use it on your wedding day. You might use it with the loss of a loved one in the anointing of the body, which was which was what happened when the, when the, when when Jesus died. They, they the late women brought the the ointments and the oils to, to cover the body so that it wouldn't there would be no stench. But you use it for something special. Well, she, she brought that out. And 
something interesting about these boxes. They, the way they make them is they would put them together. Now they're slabs of rock. So there would be wax to seal the sides. And then a wax, oh, then, then wax holding it together at the top. So that would be hardened wax. And you, you couldn't just take a little dab and put just a little here and there. You'd have to break it, break it open. And the Bible says that she broke it. And the, the, the Hebrew word, or the Greek word there that is translated means she, she, she broke it, meaning it, it's destroyed. There was no going back. She couldn't just, she couldn't just to put a little on Jesus and save the rest for herself. She had to, to destroy that box. She had to break it. So it could never be used again. And one account, the, the account Luke says she anointed his feet. The account in Mark, also talking, saying, saying the same thing, says that she poured it upon his head. So, so I, I, I don't believe that, that they're, they're contradictory. I believe that, that Mark, Mark wrote that she did his head, and Luke, or John wrote that she did his feet. I believe she did his head and his feet. I believe she anointed his whole body. support all of it, that costly, precious ointment all over his body. His head, his feet, the Bible says she gets down and she washes her, his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair. There's some things that, uh, that, uh, that I noticed about this, about this that, were, that are congruent with all the different stories. One, that the box was completely broken. Could not be put together. Every single one of the accounts mentions that. It also talks about how she, she poured it out. It was intentional. Ever hear somebody say you can't cry over spilled milk? Or you shouldn't cry over spilled milk. That's because you can't really clean it up again and use it. The cats like it, but, but uh, so do the dogs, apparently. i got a dog. But uh, it's, it's when you spill something by accident, you can't really uh, fix that. You can't really get that back. It's an accident. Uh, you didn't intend to spill it. But she poured it out. And she didn't accidentally break the box and it all went out. So she said, well, okay, I guess it's over. No, no, she purposely broke the box, purposely anointed him with all of it. Another thing that we see is, is, is uh, just how precious that one was. And we mentioned that, uh, how costly it was. But uh, the thing I haven't mentioned yet is in, in all four of the accounts, it says that the disciples begin to murmur against her. Now, uh, John uh, identifies it as Judas. And it says, it says that it was Judas that started the murmuring against her. Uh, and he did it not because, uh, because he was really compassionate for the poor, uh, is what he said, but he held the bag and he figured he could take a little. The Bible says he was a thief. So, so, uh, but there was murmuring against her, and there was uh, not only were there murmurs against her doing this, uh, but but what did we just read there in the book of Matthew? It, it said that Jesus said because of what she did. Uh, uh, listen, the, 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 it was so great, it was such a great sacrifice, and such a great memorial that he said there were everywhere the gospel was preached. There was going to be a memorial preached, uh, mentioned about her all over the world because of the sacrifice that she had given. The sacrifice that she had given. Now, uh, looking at the picture, looking at, at, at the different parts of that, I, I want us to, to, to take a look at a couple different things. First, I want to look at Jesus Christ uh, as, as a picture of the alabaster box. Because Jesus, I, mean, I want you to remember, that Jesus' body was broken just like that alabaster box. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus institutes the, uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper, we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper next Sunday uh, afternoon, so uh, be, come be a part of that. But what does it say? It says that he broke the bread. He says, this is my body, which was broken for you. If we would stop and remember what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ went through in those final days, we're getting ready to, to look into that in the next week or so. But remember, hey, listen, he went through scourging. He went through beatings. He, he was crowned with a, thorn, a crown of thorns upon his head. He went through brutal pain for us. Isaiah chapter 53. Turn there with me. written years before Christ came. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised and we esteemed him not. And listen, I can tell you, the Bible is very clear that, that Jesus Christ was despised by, by the people of Israel when he came. Even his own brethren. Says he is, it says, verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I, I, as I stop and I think of, of all that Christ went through, and the, the, just, the, just the, the, the buffeting of his face in the, the Gospels, it talks about how he was taken by the Pharisees and, and, and uh, the Sadducees. And they, they'd set him in there and they blindfolded him and they would smack him in the face and say, if you're God, tell us who hit you. And I can tell you that he knew exactly who it was that hit him. But they buffeted his face. Uh, uh, it talks about his beard being ripped from his face. Uh, uh, have you ever seen somebody that's been beaten badly? This went on all night long. Your face begins to swell. Blood begins to seep. Depending on where they were hit, if they hit right on, if, it, if the, the strike would come right on the bone, it could split the skin wide open. The Bible says that in, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, prophesying about when, when this was going to happen, that his visage would be, his face would be so marred that you could not recognize him. His body was broken. The scourge that they used was a cat of nine tails. Uh, uh, it was leather straps. That at the end of those, each one of those nine straps, uh, there was a piece of metal or a piece of glass there so that when they would swing it, it would wrap around the, the body and catch into the flesh and it would rip it away and it would tear the flesh open. And I, listen, I understand this is graphic and this is, it, it's, but that's what he did for us. His body was broken. It says, by his stripes we are healed. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that he went through all of that. And he went through it willingly. Now remember, I said that uh, this 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 ointment uh, that that uh, that that Mary had poured out—it was poured out. It was intentional. Jesus intentionally went to the, through this. It wasn't done to him. He 
submitted himself. Remember, God of all glory, uh, he came down, humbled himself, humbled himself. Uh, uh, he, the, the song he could have called 10,000 angels is absolutely true. But, uh, but just like uh, uh, he couldn't save himself and save the people, he chose to save the people and, and, and sacrifice himself. It was intentional what he did. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and Jesus prayed in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, broken. He says, not my will, but thine will be done. He was broken. He was poured out. Jesus' life was poured out, yes, on the cross, but even before the cross. If you, if you stop and think about the, those three years of ministry that we, in the Bible, three and a half years of ministry the Bible tells us about, he, he poured himself out in, in, in ministering to, to, to those that were hungry and feeding the hungry and healing the sick and, and bringing back the dead and, and casting out demons. And every day, teaching his disciples, every day he poured himself out and, and gladly gave himself. The Bible says he didn't have, even have a place to lay his head at night, but, but he gave himself for us. He was poured out intentionally. And he was poured out intentionally upon the cross. Every stripe, the Bible says, by a stripe we're healed. Every stripe, blood would trickle. The crown of thorns pressed upon his head. The blood would run down into his eyes. Which were probably too swollen for him to see anyways. Every strike, every everything he went through, it, it, again, it, it just it's terrible to think about. And if you've ever seen uh, the uh, what's the movie, the 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 Passion of the Christ, it's a it's a it's a realistic depiction, but none of that is as real as what Christ went through. So he was broken. He was poured out. And can I tell you this? The Bible says that that ointment that she had in that box was very precious. The blood that he shed was precious. We sing the song, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Bible says we're redeemed by his blood. He purchased us with that blood. Hebrews tells us that, that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. For years, for centuries, for, for millennia, the Jews had sacrificed animals, bulls and goats, in an effort to, to, to appease God. But God says it would never do it. It, it, it. Just put it off for a moment. But they would one day be judged. But Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews, that he, died, he did it once and for all. And his blood was shed, shed for us. And he sat down. His work being finished. It was precious. There is nothing more precious than the blood of Christ. See, well, that's a, it's, it's terrible to think about. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for it. Because without the shedding of his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. He died for you so that you might live. He was broken. Is poured out, blood was precious. And listen, there were those that, and there, and there still are those that murmur. It was all a waste. Why would somebody go through something like that? Why would you believe something like that? And people will always murmur and complain and, and, and denounce what, what Christ did. They'll denounce saying it was worthless, that they never should have done it. Listen, people shook their heads at the times, even his own disciples saying, Why would you go and die? 
Palm Sunday is all about them marching him into Jerusalem thinking he's going in as king. He knowing he was going in to set up a spiritual kingdom which would only be established by his death. Just like Jesus said of Mary, there is an eternal memorial for Jesus Christ, for what he did for us. There should be praise here on earth. For every child, every child of God, everybody who's bowed their head and, and received Christ by faith as their Savior, uh, there, there should be a, they, they should be a living memorial of Jesus Christ. There, there should be praise from their lips. They should be shouting from the rooftops and telling everybody about the Lord and Savior who died for their salvation, who lives to make intercession for them, and who is one day coming again. We should be that living that memorial. Revelation chapter 5 says that worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Listen, even today, they sit around the throne and they sing, Holy, 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 because he's worthy. If it wasn't for Christ, there would be no Christianity. We would have no hope. We would be wandering in this life looking for something that was precious, but never being able to find it. Looking for something to, to, to fill that void that, that, that was within us, but never being able to find it. Filling it with things that would just destroy our lives and ruin our, ourselves and, and, and ends up taking us in the end. Listen, Christ gave us everything. Just like Christ was a picture of that box of ointment. Can I tell you that we are also? We should be. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God doesn't want us to be a dead sacrifice. Now, there, there are those who have died for him, and they did so willingly and say, well, I would die for the Lord. The truth is, it'd be easier to die for God than to live for him. Dying only takes place once. You only have to do it once. And then you get to enjoy heaven for all eternity. Without the bondage and the heaviness of the flesh, and my flesh is heavy, without all those things that hold us back and cause us to be concerned and worried and fearful and all those other things, the temptation of sin, dying for Christ, while difficult, would be easier than living for Christ. But God doesn't call us to necessarily all die for him, but he does call us all to live for him. Book of Psalms. I believe it's chapter 34. So it says that he, God, is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Psalms, uh, Psalms, Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Beatitudes, the uh, first Beatitude is blessed is he, blessed is the man that uh, is poor, in, or blessed are the poor in spirit. A poor in spirit means humble. It means to come before God broken. We have a hard time with that. <laughs> if we're honest. 
It means to be submissive. It means to yield our, our wants and our desires and our hopes. Everybody has them. We all have a desire. We all have a hope. We all have a dream of, of what, what we would consider would be the perfect life. Uh, uh, it could be a, a career. It could be an amount of money. It could be, uh, it could be certain possessions. It could be a family. And not, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad things uh, to, to, to have or to desire. Uh, but, but we all have those things. Uh, one, of my, one of my things back a long time ago, uh, I wanted to be, I prided myself in being a good paramedic, uh, being one of the best paramedics uh, in, in around. I, man, I studied, I worked my butt off, I would take whatever shifts I could, and I, 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 I loved my job. I can remember one day sitting into in, in a, uh, uh, sitting in at the uh, sheriff's office over here, there was a, a big meeting between um, all the emergency thing, the emergency personnel. Um, and a training, and I heard one of the one of the officers say, "Listen, if if something ever happens, I want that guy right there." I was like, "Whew, I am good." They want me to come up if if they ever get if they ever get hurt in an accident or get shot. They want me to show up because I'm that good. Man, that you know what that did to my head? It didn't. It didn't. They needed. I needed to buy a new hat, and that hat wouldn't fit through the door. It blew, but that's what I wanted. That's what I longed for. It's what I desired. Now, you can say, well, that's crazy. I would never want to do that. And I, I get it. But there is something that you do want, that you do desire, that you do long for. But God desires us to come broken, to lay ourselves upon that sacrifice and say, God, here are my desires. Here are my wants. Here I am. Here's my whole life, God. And I pour it out for you. Say, so, well, I, I, I don't want to be a preacher. God doesn't want all of you to be preachers. God doesn't want all of the ladies to be pastor's wives. God doesn't want all of you to be missionaries. God doesn't want all of you to, you know what God wants? God wants you to be willing to be whatever God wants you to be. That's what he longs for. He longs for a brokenness and a yieldness and a submissiveness to where if he called you, you'd say, okay, Lord, here I am, send me. He's not saying that you have to go. He has to, he want, what he's saying is he wants you to be willing to go. Now that may result in you going somewhere. <laughs> Somebody just went, mm. it would if you're willing. So there's a difference between saying I would do it if God called me and and and, and doing it. I, I can remember, and my wife's walking out now. She's just, <laughs> I can remember uh, teasing my wife before I, I, I surrendered to ministry, as we were, as the Lord was working in in my heart and preparing me and and getting back to the Lord and. And uh, she'd gotten saved. She was growing, and I can remember teasing her, saying, "Hey, when I was a kid, I I I volunteered. I, I surrendered to, to missions. We could be missionaries." And she's like, "Oh no, we aren't. <laughs> we are not going to be missionaries." And I said, "Maybe a preacher." Uh uh. But when God called, our hearts were ready. And I can remember going home, having had a conversation with my wife, and I was terrified. Because I had wrestled with that all the way down to Boston and back in an ambulance. But God did not speak to me in an audible voice. I did not hear, thou shalt be. But he, he spoke to my heart. 
I knew that God wanted me to be. I walked in the door and I said, honey, we need to talk. And I told her, and I was, I was prematurely wincing, waiting for the, what? And she says, okay. If that's what God wants us to do, then let's do it. Who are you and what did you do with my wife? <laughs> she was my wife and God had been working on her. We need to be broken. We also need to be poured out. Poured out. Uh, in Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Anytime I think of a, a man who was poured out, I, 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 I don't think of myself. Uh, and it's dangerous to ever do so for any preacher or for anybody to, to put themselves in this. I think of Paul, honestly. Paul gave up everything to be where God wanted him to be. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. This is what Jesus did. This is who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil. Paul learned from the greatest teacher there ever was. And he met Jesus on that on that that the road to Damascus. What did he do? He got down on his knees, couldn't see. And he called him master. What would it says, Master, what would you have me to do? He got instructions on what to do. Listen, he never you know what he went with papers in his hand with a job to do, but he never did his, the job that he was sent to do. He yielded and humbled and submitted himself what God wanted him to do. He began to preach the gospel. He began to learn of Christ. He began to learn, learn of what God wanted. And, and he ministered and, and was a minister to the Gentiles for the rest of his life, planting churches all over the place. Why? Because that's what God called him to do. Never once did it say that he turned back. Never once did it say that he questioned. Never once did he say that, that, that it wasn't worth it. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is worth it. Paul tells us that it is worth it. If you look at the uh, Galatians, chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7 says, uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but that he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we think not if we faint not, as we there have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. First Corinthians uh, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us that their labor is not in vain. I lost the verse here. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. That's, a, that's not the verse. It's close to it, though. Um, 
our labor is not in vain. No matter what we go through on this earth, no matter what struggles we face, no matter how difficult life is, and listen, life can be difficult. Our service isn't in vain. Say, people are murmuring against me. And guess what? That's going to happen. You, you decide to pour your life after Christ. You decide to give up your plans. You decide to give up your dreams. And you trust the, what the Lord God leads you. You're going you're gonna to begin to follow that. And somebody's going to say, why did you decide to do that? That is the craziest thing. I had people tell me that when I left, when I left EMS to become a pastor. See, but you don't understand. God, this God's call in my life. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. There will always be people. And listen, and it may not just be your enemies. It might be your friends. It might be your family. But God calls us to, 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 to pour our lives out for him. In fact, he says that we're to deny ourselves, to pick up a cross, and we're to follow him. It's this idea that, that, that we, can, we can live our life for us on this earth and, and come out good on the other end is, well, it's baloney. Jesus said, said this, he says that, that he who has gained the whole, whole world but loses his own soul, what does he have? Nothing. There are those that, that, that believe in the name of Jesus Christ and are saved. There were believers in Christ, and then there were followers and disciples of Christ. And God says, if we're going to be a disciple, this is what we must do. We must die to self. We must place ourselves upon that altar of sacrifice. We must pick up our cross. We must follow him. This is something that, that many times is, is forgotten today. I can just go and live my life my way as long as I go to church on Sunday. Everything's going to be good. Oh, you'll get to heaven. But will there be a crown waiting for you? Well, I don't need no crown. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand there empty-handed while everybody else is throwing crowns at Jesus' feet. So we don't do these things for us. It's all for the glory of God. Uh, we, we, I didn't leave EMS so everybody would look at me up here saying, well, what a good man being. Don't say that. I don't want the pats in the back, and I don't want you to say, oh, you're so good. No, it has nothing to do with me. I am just a broken, useless tool that the, the, the creator of all, of all the earth is able to make into something. God gets all the glory. And in the end, when I stand before God, it's going to be worthy as the Lamb, not, hey, look at me. Bible says the one who's raising himself up will be the least in heaven. Your service is precious to God. Your sacrifice is precious to God. God desires you. Back there in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, which is your reasonable service. The sacrificial life that God's called us to uh, is, is, is just that. It's, it's just our reasonable service. We think it's stepping out and stepping up and, hey, look at what I've done. Look at what I'm doing. But what God calls us to do is to leave that, that old life behind and, give our, uh, and, and ask him to give us a new life. 
And it's not just saying, well, I, 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 but then I'll have to quit my job. Maybe not. You just have to be willing to do whatever God calls you to do. And, and listen, why? Because he's our Savior. Because he was broken. Because he did give himself for us. Paul was able to say, if, 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 if he looked in Philippians, all those things that he had once counted for everything, as everything, now he counted as dung, waste, just so that he could know Christ. Are we pressing towards that, that, that prize? Are we pressing toward that, 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 high, that, high, that, that high prize of, of knowing Jesus Christ, knowing the, the, the power of his resurrection, knowing the, the, the suffering, even being conformed unto his death, as we die to ourselves and let Christ live through us? That's what God has called us to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you a disciple of Christ, or are you just a believer? Just like that box of ointment were to be broken, were to be poured out purposely. Our sacrifice is precious unto God. There will be those who murmur and speak against us. But we will be an eternal memorial for Jesus Christ. We will be a memorial for him here on this earth. The people, when they, when they see you, does your life memorialize Christ? Does it point to Jesus? That's what I'm talking about. It's, uh, yes, it's, we want to bring honor and glory to, to God. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, it says that, 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 that they will see our good works and uh, that, uh, that, that they will glorify our Father, which in heaven, when people see you, do they, does it point to see your life? And I'm not saying, hey, look at me, look at me. I'm just saying when they, when they see you, does it point people to Christ? When they hear you, what you speak, does it point people to Christ? Because that's what the Bible tells us can happen. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's writing a letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, listen, we came into your area, and, and, and we, we began to, to try to preach the gospel. We didn't have to say anything, because they all pointed back to you, saying what had happened in your life, how you had turned from the wickedness, how you had turned from worshiping idols, and now that you're, you're waiting for Christ to come back. Wow! Did they say that about Fellowship Baptist Church? Does your family say that about you? Your coworkers say about, that about you? Do they know that you are a Christian? And not just because you say you go to church, and not just because you go to church, but because of your life outside of church. And when I say church, understand I'm using the, the, the way the community views church. They view the church as the one, one time happening on Sunday or you know, on Sunday and Wednesday, whereas we are the church. But when you're an individual, or when even as well as a group, do they see God in your life? I will say this, going back in my own life, sometimes I need to be broken more than once. Israelites needed it quite a bit. Peter needed it quite a bit too. And I'm no better than any of them. Sometimes I need to be broken more than once. Sometimes I need to re remember the vows that I've made. Sometimes I need to remember how Christ views my service and what the purpose of it all is. You know, Solomon.
Proverbs. Man, what a wise man. The Bible tells us he was wise. But he also wrote the book of, of, of Ecclesiastes. And if you read about the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about, well, I did this, and I bought this, I did all this, and all of it was vanity. Is that life vanity? In the end, he comes to this conclusion. That our purpose here on this earth is to glorify, to glorify God. Do we glorify God? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all you've done for us. I thank you, Lord, for your word and for how it affects our lives and, and Lord, how it changes us. Lord, my feet were in the miry clay. Lord, you picked me up and you set my feet on a rock. I'm so thankful. God, I pray that uh, you would just take this time, Lord, to remind us of what you called us to do. To remind us of what you did for us, Lord, that we might bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.